Welcome to Curious Psalms, a podcast where we practice reading and praying this wonderful prayer book of God's people. I'm your host, Matt, and to talk with me today about Psalm 34, we get to welcome back Reverend Dr. Kevin Adams. We talk about Psalm 34, the particular way that this psalm showcases a poet really, as Kevin says, at the top of their game. We talk about the fear of the Lord and how that features in this psalm what it looks like to praise God. And then also we explore how this psalm helps lead us into gratitude. There's a lot more in our conversation. I enjoyed this one a lot. I hope you do too. As we begin, here's Kevin reading Psalm 34. I will extol the Lord at all times. His praise will be on my lips. My soul will boast in the Lord. Let the afflicted hear and rejoice. Glorify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord, and he answered me. He delivered me from all my fears. Those who look to him are radiant. Their faces are never covered with shame. This poor man called, and the Lord heard him. He saved him out of all his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him, and he delivers them. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the one who takes refuge in him. Fear the Lord, you as saints, for those who fear him lack nothing. The lions may grow weak and weary, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. Come, my children, listen to me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. Whoever of you loves life and desires to see many good days, keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking lies. Turn from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are attentive to their cry. The face of the Lord is against those who do evil, to cut off the memory of them from the earth. The righteous cry out, and the Lord hears them. He delivers them from all their troubles. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. The righteous person may have many troubles, but the Lord delivers them from them all. He protects all their bones. Not one of them will be broken. Evil will slay the wicked. The foes of the righteous will be condemned. The Lord redeems his servants. No one will be condemned who takes refuge in him. Kevin, welcome back to Curious Psalms. Well, Matt, I am pleased to be here. I had 10 other offers right now of things to do. I'm teasing. <laughs> but I picked you out of all of the ones I had. Well, I was just thinking, you know, a little peek behind the curtain. You and I are just coming off... Uh, not short meeting with some other area sure. pastors. <laughs> Think of a double feature, people. Think of a double feature. Yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. Which uh, did include a delicious, but not light, Italian lunch. And so, you know, as we head into the afternoon, I don't know about you, but I feel myself slumping. And I thought, what's the perfect pick-me-up? Psalm 34 with Kevin Adams. So, Oh, you're a good man. You're a good man. It may not be true what you're saying, but I'd like to hear it anyway. <laughs> Who needs caffeine when you can talk about the Psalms with Kevin? That's, that's hey, what I say. Hey, that's it right there. Is this a good time to show you my Diet Coke? I don't know. That's right. We'll decide yeah, later. That's right. Yeah. Ca caffeine and conversation. You know, both, both are legitimate. Go. Perfect. Uh, legitimate Perfect. ways forward. Shall we start with our first question? Let's start with it. All right. This goes to you, Kevin. What stood out to you in reading this Psalm? 
one of the things that strikes me about this psalm, I guess these two things will be intertangled together, mm. is that there's some familiar language here. This echoes yeah. Psalm 1, doesn't it? There are choices to make mm. in the world. There are different paths to take. And these aren't one-time choices. These are repeated choices. You get to choose whether you're going to go down the path where you flourish close to God or the path where you separate yourself from God, kind of do your own thing and uh, start to shrivel as a human being or start to get less of a human being that mm. you are. So that's one of the things that strikes me. How Psalm 34 is a continuation, you might say, sort of appropriately, maybe a more complicated articulation of the vision of Psalm 1. That's one thing that strikes me, and we could talk mm. about that for a while. Yeah. The second thing that strikes me is uh, this is this is a poet who's at the top of his game. I mean, yeah. our listeners <laughs> may or may not realize this, but... It's an acrostic kind of uh, poem. So imagine Matt, who does these wonderful prayers every Sunday. So if you've not heard Matt's prayers, you should tune in on Sunday to hear Matt lead <laughs> us in prayer. But imagine Matt doing a 22, or in our case, 26-line prayer. Each line begins with A, B, C, D, one letter of the alphabet, and then you finish. That's what's going on in Psalm 34. It's hard to see that in English, of course. But that's right. no small feat as someone who organizes prayer. So that's a way to say this person is not only saying we should delight in the Lord and saying we should revel in the good things of God, but they are themselves by their very kind of poetry doing the thing they're asking us to do, which is pretty spectacular. That's a mm. that's like a black belt poet kind of move, I think. This is someone who knows what they're doing and is doing it well. I love that. I was, uh, you know, just thinking about writing a prayer that would feel coherent a, with B, that C, level. D. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> well, maybe that's an interesting challenge to see if I could, you know, slide one in here. We're throwing uh, the gauntlet down, Matt. Here's, yeah, we'll give exactly. you two weeks, two weeks to do this. Now, this but could be is, a work of a lifetime. You never know, yeah, right? Right. But it is just a remarkable thing. If your observations are zoomed out a little bit, I was really struck by the emphasis on the fear of the Lord. Which I was curious, I actually went back into a search in my own notes for this podcast, whether this had come up, whether I noted that down in past conversations, and I actually had not, which is not to say we haven't talked about it. You know, I don't, at this point, I'm not remembering every conversation All 34 perfectly. conversations, right? Yeah, but it is really something that comes up several times here. In verse 7, the angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him. Verse 9, fear the Lord, you his holy people. And then verse 11, with this kind of classic wisdom formulation, yes. come, my children, listen to me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord, right. which the fear of the Lord is just such an interesting phrase that I think can make the Psalms or even wisdom literature feel so foreign to us because we don't like to talk about the things we fear. And we right. typically culturally, I think, classify fear almost always as a negative kind of experience. Right. I'll throw a little C.S. Lewis your way, that oh, yeah, Oxford dude. atheist turned Christian who in one of his great children's books called The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, they introduced the character Aslan, who's going to be the Christ yeah. figure. And you probably know this story, Matt. And one of the children who are being introduced to Aslan say, he's, he's a lion, is, is, he, is he safe? And the beaver says, of course he isn't safe, but he's good. And it, he goes on to say, if you can meet Aslan without your knees knocking, you're not paying attention, basically. And so it's that kind of fear, isn't it, where it's love, respect, intrigue, attraction, all kind of combined in some kind of blender of spirituality that's healthy in some ways, rather than yes. being afraid of. Yeah. yeah. 
I love that. The idea, yeah, the blender image. I love that. Yeah, to think of fear as a, a singular kind of as being one thing is not really true for any of our experiences of fear, right? You think about people, people who get a particular kick out of watching horror movies, which these people are very far from me on the spectrum of entertainment. <laughs> but like, I think part of what's going on there is it's not that they're just terrified. It's that there's kind of adrenaline mixed in there right. and there's an excitement and yeah, so I I like the, I like the blender image because it's a reminder that whenever we talk about fear, we are actually talking about a whole blend of things. That's I think really helpful. Well, as we talk about the one maybe whom the psalm calls us to fear, maybe we can move to our second question and ask, what do we learn about God from this psalm? Yeah, that's such a helpful question. Every single time, thirty four weeks in, I still think that's a wonderful question, <laughs> Matt. I think one of the things that strike me about this psalm is it's delighting in God. I mean, we talked about this mm. poetically. The author is delighting in God. But his words are also calling us to delight in God, to thank him. I, I, be, such a wonderful beginning. I will extol the Lord at all times. Well, that narrows it down, doesn't it? So what we're doing here <laughs> is we're thanking the God and we're praising him. And, and then the, the sequel, his praise will always be on my lips, always. And then my soul will boast in the Lord, let the afflicted hear and rejoice. And then he, and then he's off to the races. So what we're learning about God is he is the one to be praised. He is the one to be adored. He is the one to revel in, both poetically and uh, prayerfully and in, in every other way of living, right? So and then, mm-hmm. and then he doesn't really turn a corner so much as adds another layer. That verse you picked out before so beautifully said, Come, my children, listen to me. Mm. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. And that begins this whole wisdom kind of section. Again, you know, you're going to pick path one or path two, the good way or the uh, unraveling way. And so it's a delight that translates into wisdom, isn't it? And, you know, you talked about fear, but I love the adjectives here. I'll teach you the fear of the Lord. And then there's going to come uh, an invitation to say, turn from evil and do good, taste and see that the Lord is yes. good, the right, and, you know, come, one adjective, come this, keep that. It's pleading with us to delight in the Lord of God by living wisdom. Living wisdom is its own kind of reward, but it's its own kind of thanks as well, I think. So wisdom is its own way of filling out verse one on some level. Yeah. So I think we learn that God is the one who can be adored, and he's the one who can be trusted for a really good life. Let me pose this question to you. The veteran pastor, if someone comes to you and says, you know, one thing that feels new to me is praising God. Where do I start? What does that look like? I'm curious how you might direct them. Oh, that's great. It's interesting, this text, this small print on your Bible in Psalm 34, the superscript, uh, sometimes Mm. people call it scholarly, makes the so many of the settings of psalms are unknown to us which is great right. because then we think they fit every circumstance but this is called of david when he pretended to be insane before abimelech who drove him away and he left well as far as we could tell that's a story of king achish david has to hide in the enemy city so to speak and he pretends he's crazy and then god <laughs> saves him he escapes the city so this is this is like a hollywood material right he's pretending yeah, he's crazy right. The king knows he's the arch enemy of his people, but because David is feigning lunacy, he's letting him stay there, probably feeding him, taking care of him on some level, and then David escapes. So that probably didn't happen to you today. It probably (laughs) didn't happen in your nine to five day. But at the end of the day, I think the principle works where you say, okay, Lord, what, what went well today? 
What mm. what can I say thank you for? I may have thought I caused it even. I may have thought this is a fruit of my hard labor. I might have thought, well, of course, mm. I arranged my life so these good things will happen. But most of the time, I think especially as you get a little older, you realize there's so much that is beyond your control and so much that is yeah. beyond your doing and arranging that just at the end of the day, this is an old Jesuit practice as well, at the end of the day to say, Lord, where were you most near? Where were you most attentive? Where mm. did I see you and experience you? So just, I think, at the end of the day, reflection. It might sound trite, but I think it's a pretty healthy and helpful way to start praising is just to say thank you. Fundamentally, Christians are thankful people, I think. Praise is practical in so many ways, right? Like these are yeah. it's literally a way of kind of reflecting and orienting our life. So that's really helpful, Kevin. When you're talking about that question of where was God near, in reading the psalm, verse 18 just is so poignant. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those oh, yeah. who are crushed in spirit. And yeah, I mean, that, that, that essentially is one thing we learn about God or are reminded about God in this psalm. But I was also just struck by, you know, the brokenhearted and the crushed in spirit. When we are in those places, that's also the time where we feel like God is the furthest. And what a poignant reminder of his enduring faithfulness that in the times when we might feel farthest from God, he is perhaps closest to us, which is maybe a harder thing for, for us to see. But one of the gifts here of this psalm is I think it reminds us of that in answer maybe and can then maybe even draw us into praise, the praise of the rest of the psalm. That's nicely said, Matt. And maybe that's where the superscript is especially helpful. Maybe the divine poet knew we needed a little superscript to say, you've got trouble. <laughs> David had trouble too. Not that yeah. it's comparative, but as a way to say this was not, you know, just some easy day where he's floating down a, a stream <laughs> with his beloved and having a picnic lunch. This was a pretty serious event in his life. And yeah, even right. in the midst of that fear, in the negative sense, even in the midst of that chaos, he was trusting and seeing God's goodness at work. So, yeah, right. well said. It's no, it's no small thing, is it? Yeah, certainly. Let's turn to our third question, which we maybe, I mean, I maybe cheated and asked you a little bit of a bonus question in there, but it maybe overlaps here. But how does this psalm help us to pray? Yeah, I think it's, my answer will go kind of go back to the beginning, I think. It helps us to pray... Yeah by saying thank you. And it helps mm. us to pray by orienting our life around gratitude. You know, you can live your life saying it was all up to me and I did good. Look at me. Look at all my accomplishments. Or conversely, look at all the things I did wrong. Or you can say, I want to live my life with the perspective of God. Look what you did in my life, the things you saved me from. And then this wisdom turn, again, that comes in verse 11, this wisdom term. It's an invitation to say, not only pray with your words and pray with your mind and pray with your kind of inner orientation and framework, which is gratitude, but then pray with your life. Hmm. Make your life a prayer. And that could sound cliche, but it's something where David's saying, I want to take this gratitude and I want to teach the children, teach folks to listen to me. Uh, I think it's worth repeating if that's okay. Oh, Verse yes, 12, please. whoever of you loves life, and desires to see many good days, keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking lies, turn from evil and do good, seek peace and pursue it. I mean, that list will keep you busy and we're, that's only two lines from the psalm. But that'll keep you busy a really long time if you say, keep your tongue yes. from evil. Okay, there's a life project. Turn from evil and do good. There's a life project. Seek peace and pursue it. Yep, that's a good one. And so it's a way to say we pray not only with what mm. uh, we say in our inner mind, but we pray with our life as well. We pray with how we talk about people 
and talk about ourselves and circumstances. We pray as we pursue peace and love and righteousness, that kind of stuff. I love that, Kevin. It, it reminds me too of even uh, when I was talking with Luke, who you happen to know just a little oh, bit. I know him fairly well, uh, yeah. For Psalm 33, but even when I was reflecting on what it meant to play skillfully and how that can lead us into right. prayer. And, but this Psalm, yeah, lends itself even more fully to that reflection that, yeah, life wisely lived by God's grace, of course, sure. is itself a kind of prayer. One of the things, it's interesting, we were talking about the circumstance of this psalm, and David writes from a particular circumstance. One of the things as I read the psalms, and one of the things I think we have to do as kind of con- as contemporary readers, as readers some 3,000 years later, is like, what do, what do these things mean for us? Like, David uses this language of deliverance, and kind of certainly this, this confidence that those who fear him lack nothing. Uh, blessed is the one who takes refuge in him. He delivers them. Like, what does that mean for me? For, first of all, like, I'm not, I don't have to fake lunacy to get out of a, a critical situation. <laughs> out of your job. Yeah. Thank God. yeah. But also I'm not dealing with encampments of armies or anything like that. And there's probably, this is maybe a much larger conversation. But one of the things I just thought prayerfully it can do for me is it forces me to ask, like, if they do not lack good things, the person who fears the Lord, what is the good thing I do not lack? which I think goes back to your gratitude. If God is active in delivering me, what are the things that I need delivering from? And what do I need rescuing from? If God is the rescuer, what's he rescuing me from? And quickly I find praying those begins to expose the idols, the things that I assume are the goods that God wants for me, if this makes sense. (laughs) What it means to receive good from God is also to realize the goods that I sometimes think God ought to give me are not the goods at all. But I don't get to that place by myself. <laughs> I have to pray that. Like, in other right. words, like, I really need to pray, God, remind me, what are what are the deep goods right. that I should long for? Because otherwise, I, I can make a long list. But but yeah, as I thought about praying this psalm, I just thought, oh, right, like, Lord, it's it, almost for me, I feel like the prayer is almost like that examine, that Jesuit, where were you near? Equally, like, God, remind me today, what? What was my good? What was the good I did not lack? And then in response, thank you. <laughs> right? I oh, really that's like beautiful. What, what you said. That's beautiful, Matt. I think, too, one of my favorite stories of so many favorite stories in the Bible in the New Testament, the resurrected Jesus are speaking to John and Peter. And P- Jesus is saying to Peter, hey, in the future, this is going to happen to you and that's going to happen to you. Some <laughs> of this stuff's going to be painful. And Peter's response is, well, what about him? What about him? <laughs> Like, I'm going to have pain and I'm going to have trouble. What about him? What about that other guy? I know you like him best, but can't he? It's almost like implied. Can he have a little trouble too? Yeah, and Jesus' right. wonderful response is, you know, basically, I'm dealing with you now, Peter, and I'll deal with him also. And I think our particular kind of rescue or our particular kind of uh, trouble, it's custom to us for ways in ways we don't understand or really yeah. completely choose, obviously. <laughs> but I think the the hope is that we will be rescued in the way that we need to be rescued. And of course, mm. Jesus is the big rescue, but just individually right. as well, right? Kevin, any final thoughts on Psalm 34, this kind of acrostic wonder of a psalm? Oh, that's great. I, th- I think the main thing that I think about, or one, one thing I think about, is how we as a community can help each other live in this wisdom. I mean, we want to train our children up in this living this wisdom. We want the teens to live in this wisdom. We want the seniors to live in this wisdom. And we want to keep encouraging each other to pray this prayer, to be thankful people. Like thankfulness is such a fundamental piece of Christian living and a thankfulness that leads to a life 
that is rich with its own wisdom rewards. I think that mm. is a wonderful individual prayer as David's praying, but it, there's a reason it's in the Psalter because we pray it as a community. And so I think that's a gift as well, right? This Imagine this psalm being lived by not just Matt and a little bit by Kevin, but by the whole community. <laughs> and that would be a, such a gift, right? Yeah, that's verse three, right? Let us exalt his name together, built right into the beginning of the psalm there. I love that, Kevin. Well, with thanks to you, that's a good note, I think, to conclude on the ways that even this podcast, right, the hope is not that we do it and we kind of listen and engage with it purely as individuals, but that it becomes a way that we might be formed as a community, whether you're in community with us here at Grant Springs or whether you're engaging with the Psalms in other communities. Let's conclude with these verses from Psalm 34, verse 17 through 18. Once more, the righteous cry out and the Lord hears them. He delivers them from all their troubles. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. Friends, go out and pray the Psalms. Mm-hmm.